0: Welcome to episode 187 of the Truth Quest podcast, The Truth About Principles. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and topics such as what's going on in Ukraine, Hunter Biden's laptop, happiness, decentralization, Anthony Fauci, or the injunctions against the vaccine mandates come up, please share the topic-specific Truth Quest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on a host of platforms, including iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Bitchute, Brighteon, Rumble, and Instagram, where I post a short highlight of each show at instagram.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. Whatever platform you may be listening to this on, please take a moment and give it a five-star rating, hit the like button, or leave a positive review. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through online advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for details. And finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. The truth about being principle-driven is it makes analysis of public policy super simple. The alternative is being guided by your feelings, which is a recipe for anger, disgust, and unhappiness. I have certain guideposts that direct my thinking and analysis. The most important one is God and natural law, followed by the Constitution. So when I see lies, propaganda, and character assassination, I know God would not approve. When I see federal policy prescriptions in which the particular power was not delegated to the feds in the Constitution, I know the Founding Fathers would not approve. See? No feelings. No nuance. No room for my truth. If a principle is bad, I condemn it regardless of who violates it. If a principle is good, I pursue it and endorse it regardless of who is implementing it. Frank Turek put it this way, The old absolute was truth. The new absolute is power. He goes on, Instead of standing on principle, these people try to stand by using power, because if you don't have principles, all you have is power. All you can do is impose your will on the other people rather than to appealing to principles. It's either principle or power. End quote. And I would add control and money. Power, control, and money. Being principle-driven protects you from what I call the accept-for trap and the feelings trap. The book of Proverbs offers an analogy of accepting an excuse being like accepting a bribe. If principles matter, if you are principle-driven, then you rarely accept excuses. This is how the accept-for trap is eliminated. You see this all the time. I'm for free speech, except for speech I personally disagree with. Show me your papers is universally reviled as a throwback to Nazis and Soviet Union, except for vaccine passports. Follow the science, except for COVID and abortion and climate change, all of which ignore science, never citing peer-reviewed scientific studies to back up their assertions and dictates. How about this? Secret police forces are bad except for the Capitol Hill police, whose budget was increased by $2 billion, with the help of the Republicans, by the way, who now have offices in Florida and Texas, and they just got caught spying on Republican members of Congress at their congressional offices, dressed as construction workers. A close first cousin of the except-for trap is the feelings trap, being guided by your feelings instead of by principles or facts. And as the title of one of Ben Shapiro's books explains... Facts don't care about your feelings. This trap is very easy to identify. Just listen for people who, instead of making a factual or definitive statement, start their sentences with words such as, Well, I feel like... or I heard that. For example, let's rip something right out of today's headlines, the the Freedom Trucker Convoy in Canada, where they are peacefully protesting the vaccine mandates on truckers. The powers that be oppose it because it's a direct assault on their authoritarian dictates. People who are incapable of thinking critically will defend the government with some garbage like, well, I feel like the truckers are disrupting things, and I heard they are violent. They're not interested in discussing or debating the issue. They just want to feel about it. So that's a little bit about why being principle-driven is a worthy pursuit. Now let's discuss some principles that you can latch onto. Let's start with some universal principles before we get more specific. If you want one phrase to live a principle driven life by when it comes to evaluating public policy, it's this don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. This is a favorite libertarian refrain or principle that can be applied broadly, as you will see. How about this oldie but goodie treat others as you would like to be treated? Or the principle of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness the idea being that if policy prescriptions violate any of these tenets you can reject it or the person pushing the said policy outright does it hurt someone in some manner is it taking something away against one's will is someone treating someone else like shit does the policy violate basic tenets like life i.e abortion does it take away someone's liberty or freedom? Another way to evaluate policy prescriptions broadly without getting too much in the weeds is to evaluate whether or not the policy violates natural rights and natural law principles. Natural law insulates the exercise of our rights from any incursion, not just the government. Neither you nor the government can step on any of these rights because they are natural or, if you prefer, they are God-given. Consider. We have an absolute right to self-defense. We do not need the permission of the government to do such. That would be insane and suicidal. Similarly, we have a natural right to private property, and as we already know, we would oppose any policy that disrupted either of these tenets because it is the very definition of don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. What about privacy? That's a natural right, and according to the left, we have a constitutional right to privacy that was created in the Connecticut v. Griswold opinion, which led to the Roe v. Wade opinion. Pay no attention to the fact that the Supreme Court does not create constitutional rights except when it is convenient for the left. Let's take a minute and demonstrate the except for concept with privacy. They would argue that there is a right to privacy except for gun owners and people's vaccine status because the Democrats want to maintain lists and records of both of those. How about the natural right to be left alone, body autonomy? Think about my body, my choice and how it has become your body, my choice when it comes to the experimental vaccine, but somehow it remains intact when it comes to murdering a baby in the womb. This is an impossible position to be held by an intellectually honest, principle-driven person. It's another example of the accept-for principle. And another example of violation of don't hurt people and don't take their stuff principle. By taking away the body autonomy and or taking the life of a baby. And now that I think of it, it's an example of the violation of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Wow, a trifecta. Then there's free speech. Judgment Napolitano explains the freedom of speech is a natural right. It comes from within each of us. Its essence is that individuals have a natural right to think as they wish and say what they think and listen to whomever we choose, and we don't need the approval of the government or the consensus of the loudest. We don't have free speech for me, but not for thee. Free speech includes misinformation and disinformation, and, I, and the new word is malinformation, and it includes rude and offensive speech. You do not have a right not to be offended, Remember, facts don't care about your feelings. Here's a principle for you. Censorship of speech is bad. All ideas should be heard and debated. The best ideas will survive. Here's another. Open debate and dialogue is healthy and should be encouraged. As I mentioned at the beginning, the Constitution, at least here in the United States, is a principle-driven guidepost. The Constitution simply puts a bunch of natural rights in writing and makes it clear that Congress shall not infringe upon them. Liberty, freedom, limited government, free speech, don't take people's shit without a warrant, you know, stuff like that. Here's a constitutional principle for you. War should be declared by Congress, period, end of story. How much death, destruction, and heartache could have been avoided over the last, I don't know, five decades if this principle had been adhered to? Have you ever considered all the things that the federal government does that is unconstitutional? Infrastructure spending, fiat currency, the Federal Reserve, education, health care, retirement, i.e. Social Security, the environment, labor laws, HHS, FDA, CDC, the Energy Department. I could go on for an hour. All of those agencies should be abolished, and the power to be engaged in all those things I just mentioned should be taken away from the federal government because it's not in the constitution see how simple the analysis becomes finally we have biblical principles as guideposts in which to evaluate policy prescriptions and or the behavior of leaders and members of the media do you think things like slander name calling character assassination and gossip are biblically endorsed behaviors Mm, me neither several years ago i wrote a book called the proverbs project where I dissected the 900 verses in the book into 150 categories and presented them to my readers in an organized, easy-to-digest manner. I rely heavily on that content here. Check out the show notes page for a link to that book. Proverbs' message about slander is similar to that of lying and gossip. We are directed to recognize that all people are made in God's image and thus worthy of respect. We should hold our tongue when judgmental thoughts cross our minds. How about the advice your mother probably gave you at one point or another? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's a great principle to live by and to evaluate those who violate it. Tearing people down, spreading rumors, and hurling insults is ungodly. Building them up is righteous. Name-calling is a cottage industry these days, especially amongst politicians. Bigot, homophobe, sexist, xenophobe, transphobe, misogynist, denier, Anti-vaxxer. Racist. Oh boy, that's their favorite. When they can't make an argument on its merits, they call their opponent a racist. One of the Ten Commandments is do not bear false witness against your neighbor. In other words, don't lie. Which is another cottage industry in politics. Gaslighting. Think about hands up, don't shoot. Or this is an epidemic of the unvaccinated. Or the vaccine is safe and effective. Or ivermectin is a horse dewarmer or inflation is transitory, or if you like your plan, you can keep your plan, or the average American will save $2,500 a year under Obamacare, or the debate and negotiations for Obamacare will be broadcast on C-SPAN. Those last three quotes, of course, were Obama repeatedly lying about his health care plan to the American people. Speaking of a former resident of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, you know the current one is a documented pathological liar. You can rest assured that if someone's lips are moving in D.C., you've got a 50-60% to chance that what they're saying is not entirely correct. Since lying is a biblical principle, anyone who does such should be admonished and kicked out of office. You remember Bush lied, people died? That's a favorite refrain from the left even to this day. What's interesting is that it implies that lying is bad, right? And getting people killed in war is also bad. I mean, how else can you interpret that? Okay, so let's take them at their word and say that lying is bad. What did these same people say about Bill Clinton's lying about his affair with Monica Lewinsky? Or what about Hillary's lying about the illegal email server? Or lies told by Jim Comey, John Brennan, and the rest of the Russia collusion FBI-CIA cabal? In all of those high-profile cases, these same people either made excuses for the behavior, defended it, or ignored it. What about all those dead in Afghanistan after Biden pulled us out? or all the dead from the multiple military incursions over the decades in wars that were not declared. These people remain silent when a Democrat is in office, and then they count body bags on the nightly news if a Republican is in. Other biblical principles include love, honor, integrity. From the Proverbs Project, Integrity and honesty serve as guides through life. God helps and protects those who live a life of integrity. Like wisdom and knowledge, integrity is described as more important than wealth. Leaders preserve their positions through integrity, or not, as we are demonstrating in this episode. What do you think the Bible has to say about deceit, cheating, fraud, corruption, bribery, and greed? Nothing good, I can assure you. The level of corruption in politics at all levels, but mainly at the national level, is truly breathtaking. Washington, D.C. is corrupt to the core. It truly is a swamp desperately in need of draining. What about bribery? Proverbs says to avoid taking bribes or showing partiality. Those who use bribes begin to believe that the bribes act like a charm that bring them success. Interestingly, Proverbs also describes excuses as bribes. Rather than get involved and correct a wrong that you are aware of, human nature sometimes allows us to accept an excuse and allow the wrongdoing to continue. Sound familiar? What about greed? Again, turning to Proverbs. In a word, greed is hazardous. The love of and focus on money and material things is an impediment to your relationship with God and therefore should be avoided. Any politician or media figure demonstrating a propensity to deceive cheat, commit fraud, accept bribes, anyone that is corrupt or greedy should be summarily discharged from their position and charged with a crime where applicable. That's a principle-driven position. There's no except for going on there. What about pride, arrogance, and hubris versus humility? Proverbs demonstrates that pride is a dangerous emotion as it prevents you from obtaining wisdom. The Lord hates pride. He does not honor the proud. Pride is a source of constant conflict. It is self-destructive. It makes you obstinate in the face of instruction and leads to ruin and downfall. A proud heart produces sin. The wise resist pride. All of that from the Proverbs Project. Quoting Frank Turk again, The old absolute was humility. The new absolute is pride. Is pride a good thing, he asks? Being proud of yourself or others' accomplishments is good, but if by pride you mean your opinion or your way of doing things, which goes against natural law and God's commandments, then you are in trouble. One of the most often discussed topics in the book of Proverbs, besides wisdom, is cautioning us about the dangers of pride. The wise resist pride in favor of humility and self-awareness. Wisdom breeds humility. The wise display humility when faced with their mistakes. Pride often leads to ruin, whereas humility often leads to honor. God loves and honors the humble who are teachable and relying on him. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. What about stealing, one of the Ten Commandments? Well, what do you think the adage, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff, means? Most people think of stealing as taking people's property. But it's broader than that especially when we're talking about public policy. The $30 trillion national debt is generational theft. Inflation is theft of your purchasing power. Taxation can be viewed as theft because it's taken with the threat of force or imprisonment. Voter fraud is a form of theft. Every fraudulent ballot cast by a dead person, a non-resident, an underage, or ineligible person steals the vote of a legitimate voter. Another one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet. What do you think all the calls for wealth distribution and or the demonization of the rich is? Those calls are meant to drive jealousy and envy. Two extremely harmful emotions. Proverbs 14.30 sums it up well. Envy rots the bones. Let's keep on rolling through the Ten Commandments. Do not commit adultery. Hello, Kamala Harris. JFK, Bill Clinton, and and what, a dozen others that you can probably think off the top of your head? You would think the principle of murder being bad would be a universally accepted or or exempt from the except-for trap. Not so with the left, as they do not consider the murder of innocent babies in the womb, nor the murder of thousands of inner-city residents, or even the assassination of police officers as meeting the definition of murder, and thus demanding their attention. How about hypocrisy, flip-flopping? Political expediency must be trumped by principles. Do you remember disgraced gold digger, former senator, and former presidential candidate John Kerry? I was for it before I was against it. Speaking of the uh, Iraq war, no one on the left batted an eye. What about gay marriage? Hillary and Obama were anti-gay marriage before they searched deep in their souls and determined that marriage could indeed mean two men and two women, or two or three of whatever the leftists dream up next. What about illegal immigration? Have you seen the YouTube videos of Bill Clinton, Obama, and many other current Democrat members of Congress speaking about illegal immigration just 10 or 20 years ago? In many cases, their views mimic Trump's rhetoric on the subject, almost word for word. In a world where principles are subordinate to party, And getting the win at all costs, leftists can afford to bob and weave their way through the public policy landscape without the fear of reaping any reputational damage. If you are a National Democrat or a leftist of any stripe, you can say things that contradict what you said previously with no ramifications because the mainstream media is a compliant co-conspirator in your win-at-all-costs principle. Before I dive into a laundry list of unprincipled positions, I want to talk briefly about mockery which is another favorite tactic of the left, why do they mock? After all, they represent themselves as the most tolerant among us. You wouldn't think that the diversity and inclusion crowd would be the type that feel compelled to disparage and vilify someone over their beliefs. But you'd be wrong. They don't care about diversity and inclusion and intolerance. It's all for show. They mock any and everything that is outside their leftist groupthink bubble. They mocked Vice President Pence because he had a rule where he doesn't go alone in public with women other than his wife. They mock homeschooling because these people rightly do not trust their children to government-run schools, which is the opposite of leftists who believe the government is the answer to everything. They mock people who believe in waiting until marriage before having sex. They mock people who go to church because these people see God, not government, as the final arbiter. They mock traditional family structure, monogamous married husbands and wives raising a family. Because it doesn't comport with their men are monsters, more children means more consumption of Mother Earth's resources. They mock rural Americans generally, and Southerners specifically. Because these people tend to be homeschooling churchgoers living with a traditional family structure who just so happen to be anti-big government. Remember Obama's infamous cling to their guns and religion observation? For these folks, mockery is a form of therapy. Since they are incapable of understanding or refuting such things, they cowardly turn inward to their tribe, much like a bully on the elementary school playground. And they make fun of those who are different than them, all the while not recognizing that they are the ones deserving the mockery, given their intellectual dishonesty. Let's end this episode with a flurry of examples of principleless public policy prescriptions and help you understand the point I'm trying to make here and, more importantly, help you identify it when you see it in the future. They oppose voter ID but advocate for vaccine passports, i.e. identification cards, in order to travel, work, go to an entertainment venue, or go shopping. What about the border? Here's a principle. Open borders is bad meaning any effort to leave the borders open should be roundly condemned. Similarly, illegal immigration is illegal. They ignore the illegal part, and when asked to defend their position, make excuses and throw up a bunch of except fors Here's another principle. Stupid ideas should be rejected outright. For example, defund the police. Who in their right mind, besides white, suburb-living liberals, would advocate for such an asinine policy? How about the filibuster? In 2005, the Democrats extolled the virtues of the filibuster and cursed the thought of the Republicans invoking the nuclear option and eliminating the procedure. Fast forward seven years to 2022. These same Democrats tried to abolish the procedure. How about this principle? Violence is bad. It doesn't matter who perpetrates it, their party affiliation, or the cause. Who shot up the congressional baseball practice a few years ago? Who comprised the Occupy Wall Street crowd? Who comprised the Antifa movement? Who confronted Republican senators and Trump's press secretary in restaurants on a regular basis? Who punched MAGA hat-wearing Trump supporters standing outside for one of his rallies? To these people, violence is okay if used in the pursuit of their agenda. For example, peaceful protesters like the annual March for Life and the Canadian Truck Convoy are derided, while Antifa and BLM are cheered. The former are peaceful, the latter destructive and murderous. Or consider the January 6th trespassing incident at the Capitol, being framed as an insurrection despite no insurrection. Government spying on its people is bad and should not be tolerated, and those who do it should go to jail. This would include the spying by the Hillary campaign on Trump, which literally just broke as I was preparing this episode, the special counsel John Durham's investigation. Principle. Indoctrinating children in school with values parents do not wish to be taught is bad. When parents delegate the power to teach their children, they do not delegate the power to indoctrinate them with values they oppose. How about this? Railroading someone through the legal system for the sake of political expediency is wrong. Kyle Rittenhouse, Derek Chauvin, Michael Flynn, Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, George Zimmerman, Duke Lacrosse? How about this? Fascism is bad. Totalitarianism, bad. Same for authoritarianism, communism, and socialism. So when you see policy prescriptions that hint at any of these, you know they are bad. And you should oppose them. See how simple this is, folks? How about this? Do not question the election results when Biden wins because it hurts our democracy despite the fact that we lived through eight years of the Dems claiming Bush stole the election from Gore and four years of Trump stole the election from Hillary, with the help of the Russians. And how about this? Shooting unarmed civilians is bad, regardless of the skin pigmentation of the victim. What about principles when it comes to your health in the medical profession? Remember body autonomy and self-determination? Two concepts covered by natural law and natural rights? Here's a great principle specific to this community. The Hippocratic Oath. Do no harm. That's a good principle. Violating it by ignoring things like, I don't know, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and other treatments for COVID and or sending symptomatic COVID-positive patients home with no meds only to see them return to be hospitalized, injected with remdesivir, which causes liver damage, and hooked up to a ventilator, only to die of pneumonia, is not only a violation of the doctor's oath, but is willfully negligent. Along those same lines, consider right to try. The government has no right to tell you what you cannot put in your body. We have a natural right to fight infection, virus, by any means necessary, as long as we don't hurt others. The current regime gives us one option, the vaccine. No ivermectin, no vitamin protocols, no discussion about comorbidities like obesity. So on the one hand, you do not have the right to try experimental treatments until the FDA and the CDC finish their decades-long review of the medication, which means you are long dead by the time these assholes finish their analysis. But on the other hand, you must take this experimental vaccine. No right to try and no right to decline. What principle is at work here? Here's a principle. Disclosing the adverse effects of a pharmaceutical product is good. Covering up or censoring the adverse effects of a pharmaceutical product is bad. So here's how the left looks at that. Not disclosing the adverse effects of a pharmaceutical product is good except for the COVID vaccine because our government leaders are authoritarian dictators, many of whom profit from it. How about the fact that socialized medicine schemes always lead to rationing, less choice, and worse care? And it impedes body autonomy. And it's not in the Constitution. Here are some other principles to live by. Pollution is bad, but so is crippling the nation's economy to fight climate change while the largest polluters in the world, India and China, are not held to the same standard. Especially if the U.S. went to zero emissions tomorrow, it would have next to no impact on the planet. That according to John Kerry, not me. Remember, follow the science, except for. Leaving people behind is bad every single time, regardless of who the president is. Influence peddling is bad. Influence peddling and profiting from it is a crime. If you commit a crime, you should be punished regardless of which political party you are affiliated with and regardless of your last name. Sexual harassment is bad regardless of who the perpetrator is. Bill Clinton, Trump, Joe Biden, Andrew Cuomo. How about the principle of decentralization, the subject of episode 182? Society is better off if millions of people work through their shit and try to figure out life, rather than a few experts telling millions of people what to do. Teaching children that they are inherently racist if they are white is evil. Telling children of color to focus on the color of their skin and the color of the skin of those with whom they interact is equally evil. Teaching children that the country is systemically racist is evil. Teaching the real history, warts and all, is appropriate. Biological men participating in women's sports and using women's facility is unfair, dangerous, and immoral. Gender dysphoria is a mental illness and should be approached as such. No different than anorexia. Encouraging the illness is immoral. Marriage. Man and a woman. See, the only way the human race can continue is for men and women to procreate. That's a natural law. Thus, people's aversion to calling for the redefinition of marriage. And finally, discrimination is bad regardless of the skin color or ethnicity or country of origin of the victim. I hope this episode will serve you well in the future. As you evaluate policy prescriptions, be on the alert for those with no principles or those who talk about their feelings or make excuses for the violation of obvious principles with the "except for trap. Simplify your analysis with obvious truths and principles like don't hurt people and don't take their stuff and life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Always remember that you have natural rights that cannot be violated by your fellow man and certainly not the government dismiss policies that violate these rights, dismiss the leaders and the talking heads who advocate for them as they are dangerous and worthy of scorn. And most importantly, whether you're a Christian or not, the biblical principles we discussed here are universal in nature. They apply to everyone. Jesus was very clear that he came to earth for everyone, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. Hold leaders accountable to abide by these biblical principles, or at the very least, make note of those who don't, and watch them closely as they are likely to stab you in the back the first opportunity they get. And that's the truth about principles. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast.